Okay. Kitten, kitten, kitten. We've got punchy energy. It's the morning, yeah. and we're going to record a podcast. podcast on La Planète des Singes. Des Singes. <laughs> Boo. Boo. Uh, ready? Oh, yeah. Film, the show that seeks to prove that already and trashy movies have a lot in common. You don't need to enjoy just one or the other. So we will take our movie of the week, pair it with something artier or trashier, and hope that you discover an unexpected new favorite, or at the very least, are entertained. I am one of your hosts, Nick, and with me as always is the zero to my Cornelius. Aaron is here. Hi, Aaron. Hi, Nick. Hello. How are you? Just monkeying about. I'm going ape. <laughs> I'm going completely ape. I feel like this is one of the only intros where the one you pick for yourself isn't hurtful in some way, so I, I appreciate that. Stop detecting a pattern. <laughs> He's still an animal, but... But we love him. But we love him. God, do we love him. <laughs> Best part of the movie. Um, anyway. Anyway. We're here to talk about Catch Me If You Can. <laughs> <laughs> One of these the days. real animal was man. <laughs> the real animal was financial fraud. <laughs> Society. Uh, That's a good enough segue back. Yeah, sure. Uh, but before I segue directly into our movie today, it's August this month, and this month we are featuring movies that we are basically introduced the other two. That yes. I feel like we wouldn't have caught if not for that. So. Yeah, the the only reason I had seen Planet of the Apes, for instance, was because of you, and the only reason you'd seen other movies to come in this month was because of me. Yeah, so sharing is caring is the theme of the month here. Yeah, and I wanted wanted to give you a good, positive movie, optimistic movie experience, <laughs> so I showed you 1968's Planet of the Apes. sent us on this journey are long since dead and gone. You who are reading me now are a different breed. I hope a better one. Beware the beast man, for he is the devil's pawn. Alone among God's primates, he kills for sport or lust or greed. A planet where apes evolved from men, there's got to be an answer. Don't look for it, Taylor. You may not like what you find. Excellent Ramhorn. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, do they have cattle on this planet? Uh, Are they getting... Okay, it's well, fine. Well, here's... Oh, yeah. Well, they're not actually playing. That's part of well, the Well, I know, but, you know... <laughs> But uh, to your point, I believe all of the animals involved are um, all, like gorillas, chimps, and orangutans. I think they're all herbivores. Are they? I think so. Chimps might be omnivores, but I... Chimps I'm, can eat meat. Would be the Just, one outlier. But, okay, yeah. yeah. I know if I've, I feel like chimps are the dolphins of the animal world where like they'll <laughs> murder the something. The chimps are the dolphins of or, the animal oh, world. No, 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 no. I got an episode <laughs> title. <laughs> I'm just here to provide content for you. Chimps are the dolphins of the simian world, is uh. maybe more specifically. <laughs> Fuck. Um, it's all on Mike. Yeah, it's all, it's all for you. Yeah. 
<laughs> I'm never getting out of this one. They they just murder for like social status or fun or whatever. They're bored, so, yeah. Yep, so they'll invent bored. a tool to kill yeah. something with. <laughs> Don't we all? But yeah. so let's explore whatever the hell this world is. Yeah, let's do it. So uh, this is directed by Franklin J. Schaffner, who this is like the only thing I pretty much know him from, but he did like Patton mm. and other big movies like that. <laughs> Uh, screenplay is based on La Planète de Singe from uh, Pierre Boulle, which I remember the moment I realized that Pierre Boulle is the guy who also did Bridge on the River Kwai and being like, wait, that's the same guy? Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, those are his two like major works. Sure, sure. A normal pairing of things. Yeah. Well, now I'm fucking mad that I didn't pick <laughs> Bridge on the River Kwai. <laughs> As my double bill. That's wild. Okay, well, he's a cool storyteller then. Yeah. I like that. Like, Bridge on the River Kwai is based on, like, his time as a POW, so yeah. very much. And then Planet of the La, La Planète de Singe was very much, I'm just going to throw off a sci-fi story that's what silly. What if monkeys? <laughs> and it got bought and was going to get optioned into a movie, and he was like, no. This sucks. What are you Don't doing? Don't make a movie out of this. He thought that it had no screen potential, was a super minor work, and would be unfilmable. Wow. Well, I mean, like, I can understand thinking that. Yes. Especially, like, talk a little bit about this later, but, like, the monkey movies that, uh, sorry, ape movies that exist prior to this <laughs> is really, like, you want to do what with apes? Yeah. <laughs> a monkey wearing a tie is the whole, yeah. Yeah, like, you you might have a live monkey in there, but it's, like, for, you know, three minutes because that's all you can safely shoot. <laughs> but otherwise, it's a guy in a gorilla suit, and sure. you can see his, like, skin beneath the mask, like, around the <laughs> eyes and stuff. Okay. Yeah. So we hadn't made strides in ape facial prosthetics. Not yet, but boy. Are we about to take a <laughs> fucking quantum leap forward? Yeah, we are. Well, let's, let's go in this direction. Rod Serling yes. of Twilight Zone fame mm-hmm. uh, wrote 30 drafts of... 30 to 40 drafts. He said it was probably closer to 40. <laughs> possible adaptations of the, the book. Okay. Each one more silly than the last. Um, more unhinged. The initial idea, though, was to do just like a straight-up adaptation, which is cool if you've only seen this movie or the new Planet of the Apes movies. The original like book is that the ape society is meant to reflect 1960s New York to the point of it takes place in 1960s New York, but just replace all people with apes. Okay. So like they run a university. They're wearing suit clothes. It's, right, right. Briefcases. Like, and there's Martinis. a lot of stuff about gender roles in oh, the original well, I mean, book too. Yeah. Just like okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, if you're interested in seeing what that's like, there's a, a relatively recent graphic novel called Planet of the Apes: Visionaries. Oh yeah. Or visions, sorry, which is based on all of the first major story ideas, including like oh. the major twist at the end of. Planet of the Apes is a Rod Serling thing that didn't exist in the original. Right, sure. Okay. Stuff like that. Oh, that's funny. Okay. Yeah. So all the, like, modern day, quote, unquote, modern day, ape ideas that Rod Serling laid out in this eventually get used in the third installment in the Planet of the Apes franchise. So, like... Oh, right. Okay. Got laid down and, like, picked up as, like, hey... This is a good idea. What if apes wore suits? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Oh, that's very interesting. I feel that's such a classic, like, that's pure sci-fi of, like, what if mm. normal society but one thing different? Yeah. And yeah. there's a particular flavor of, like, 60s sci-fi where it's like, what if everything's the same except instead of your friend, it was an eel or something like that. It would just yeah. be, like, one-to-one. There is no yeah. chance. <laughs> they're still wearing, like, Windsor not ties, yeah. but they're chimpanzees. Yeah. <laughs> Cute. Okay. okay. Um, but they couldn't get any of, like, the studio never got comfortable with Rod Serling stuff, so they brought in writer Michael Wilson, who okay. was the primary adapter of Bridge on the River Kwai for the screen. Oh. 
Okay. Yep. There's a lot more. (laughs) I did not think we were going to unearth a link between these two movies uh, as as obvious as we are, but all right. But it says a lot about society. I think you'll agree. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) But the cool thing here, Michael Wilson was like blacklisted in like McCarthy hearings and stuff. So he just took some straight up quotes from his hearing and planted them in this movie. (laughs) I'll bet that he did. Yes. (laughs) Fun stuff. (laughs) You'll love to see it. This movie is unrelentingly pessimistic oh my God. and i so now see why you get a former pow and a mccarthy blacklisted screenwriter together and rod serling <laughs> <laughs> who's just eating cigarettes he's while just, he's yeah. <laughs> a little like gremlin who loves on the to... wing of a plane yeah. <laughs> that's right was that one of his did he write the i don't know i know very little about the oh, okay song, so i can't help you there it must feel good to have written one of the most, like, I think there's Luke, I Am Your Father, and It Was Earth All Along, are the, those are two of the most classic twists in human history. Yeah. And it's gotta two feel of, good. Two of the most often incorrectly quoted ones, too, which I love. Sure. <laughs> you like that I just said It Was Earth All Along? I was which is alone. <laughs> from the Simpsons musical. <laughs> and there's I'm our well Simpsons aware. <laughs> yeah, reference check that of that box. <laughs> We did it. Uh, anyway, I just wanted to Neat. lay down some of the writing stuff around that because it's way more no. interesting than I expected it to be. Totally, and I feel like this is such a... It could be so bland and straightforward, but hmm. it is this like interesting group of people to put together for the monkey movie. Yeah. Speaking of interesting groups of people, uh, this movie stars Charlton Heston, Roddy McDowell, Morris Evans, Kim Hunter, James Whitmore, James Daly, and Linda Harrison... It's a nice little cast we've got here, but the reason I charged through all those is because I want to say music by Jerry Goldsmith, one of my favorite scores of all time. I love it so so much. It's so cool. Yeah. I really appreciate this franchise as it evolved. Mm. Turned it, like, I think Michael Giacchino is the composer for the new trilogy, and popcorn bucket podcast has talked a lot about how great his titles are yeah no, just I love the them. the corniest silliest little puns but they're like pretty damn funny they're so like they get pretty clever a lot of the time yeah. uh, i i want to mention the ones that popcorn bucket said is like the reigning champions because i had was just like giggling about it to myself yeah uh, honestly oh. go go listen to their their episode on planet of the apes the new trilogy yeah they'll cover the new ones we'll do classic and we'll, we go. all we'll your planet the of the apes needs are met <laughs> We'll meet in the middle by ragging on the Mark Wahlberg one. Yes. Uh, yeah, there you go. Everyone wins. Which, hilariously, is the most accurate to the novelization. Oh, the, the, To the original All right. <laughs> And that's why screenwriters are important, folks. Yes, they are. Aren't they, folks? Anyway. So Jerry it Goldsmith. turns out, Pierre Boulle is right. Unfilmable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is what he feared. Yeah. Was he alive when this was put Oh, if, if not, it probably killed him. <laughs> He's dead now. <laughs> Who can say what happened? When they optioned the script, he had like a quick vision of Marky Mark and just yeah. like, no, I must stop this future. <laughs> just walked straight out the nearest window. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, anyway, I'm great so, uh, yes, good times. So that's a lot of build up. Do you want to talk about what happens in this movie? Let's <laughs> do it. <laughs> we open on what is like. It's so obvious that Star Trek is happening. Yes. Captain's log ass monologue yep. to open here. I constantly forget how many times have we seen this movie, and I constantly mm. forget that there's this very extended, like, sci fi exploration adventure. Yeah piece before you see a single hint of an ape. It's it's very I <laughs> it's very clear that this was 
written in part by Rod Serling because it is this like it's got again I'm sorry to bring it up again but the Simpsons thing of you the premise that starts the episode is not the premise Nowhere you finish near. with you, know? you get to the end and you're like what the f- where do we start yeah. <laughs> I never remember what Simpsons episode it is until about <laughs> 10 minutes in um yeah it's good very it almost feels like it's going to be a super boring movie <laughs> yeah like it watching it uh knowing everything and you know, what's going to be coming mm-hmm. and all that and how pessimistic it's going to be. It yeah. really does feel, I mentioned Star Trek because obviously Star yes. Trek is an intensely optimistic look at the future. Sure. This is like, I feel like Rod Serling was watching a Star Trek episode and he was like, yeah. And then Taylor's going to be like, does man kill man still? <laughs> yeah. And like, bullshit. And throwing <laughs> popcorn at the TV. Yeah. Like. I'm going to write a, uh, my own movie. It is going to have <laughs> the future and apes and. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a uh, very, I don't like this guy at all. The character just oh. like wonderfully unlikable. I've grown to appreciate the performance more and more. But every time Charlton Heston gets a muzzle put him put on him in this movie, I'm like, oh, thank fuck. Oh my god, he loves well, to hear himself talk. We'll find a point to like really drill down into his performance because I have I've I gotta sort through some feelings on <laughs> I this. Know. And I hope you'll help me with that. Oh, I'm here for you. But I also want to mention I do really like the way that like their light speed travel is is yeah. projected out. It looks very cool. I it's like very it's imaginative. Yeah. Normally you'd just get the like the streaks of light or whatever, but yeah. it's almost this he talks about it a little bit where you're going almost the speed of light you start, you know, things just start kind of swirling around you. And yeah. it's very, it's very beautiful out there. It's, it's Smashes nice... your ego, he says. That's yes. a big thing. Yeah. The, just <laughs> conjuring more 90s TV. It does have that X-Files feel to it, where you can tell there is something new, like a new concept that's being discussed in the zeitgeist that they have to like say to the camera to be like, and we've all heard of this, right? Where he's like, so because we've been traveling the speed of light, time passes for us slowly. Oh, yes, that's right, yes. Quickly. According to Dr. Hasline's theory of time in a vehicle traveling nearly the speed of light, the Earth has aged nearly 700 years since we left it. Yeah. <laughs> Cut to the ship's clock yeah. just to really hammer it home. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's, it's, I always, like... The exposition, there's so much bizarre exposition in this movie. Some of it's handled really well. Some of it's handled like this, where it's just like, we're just saying it to you so that we never need to talk about it again. (laughs) Yes, no, exactly. Yeah. I like the the sci-fi setup we get here. It's it's very interesting. Like even just divorced from the rest of the movie, it's a it's just a cool like you said, it's a perfect Star Trek episode almost on its own, where it's a guy who just like wanted to get away from Earth. Yeah. And here he is up here and he's suddenly realizing like there's no more meaning up here than there was on Earth. None. I, I don't know what I'm doing, but at least I'm the first person to do it. That's kinda That's cool. Something. And then just like sigh and go to sleep for <laughs> oh, well, the next I'll, ten years. I'll sleep for thousands of years, yeah. thank you. Uh, I just again the Star Trek thing, I obviously we take this more for granted now, mm-hmm. but like the fact that it's nineteen sixty eight, you're sci-fi ship's crew is a woman a black man and they say like the black man he is the scientist he is the smartest man there he's the smart one and we've got a patriot boy white guy and (laughs) pessimism boy white guy like the (laughs) fact that it's not just all white guys is like that's pretty unusual for for sci-fi movies of this time the the sci-fi movies especially like the b movies of this time Mm. are so funny to watch because you're watching seven almost identical white guys talk to each other over radios and through helmets and like you can't tell any of them apart so there's a lot of like weren't you just on the ship (laughs) they're very funny to watch for that reason and they're all about like the triumph of the white man over stuff like so much so it is i just love 
I love this general setup where, like, no, we know that stuff's horseshit. We're doing our own thing over yeah. here. It feels, like, <laughs> nice. I just like that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just an interesting thing for the time. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, we say this all the time. There was what we would think of as progressive for the times. People were already fine with that back then. They had to fight just... to have to have a black man as the, like, the scientist. Well, I mean, sure, the people in, with the power to make those decisions, probably mm. not as, as much, but... That's an important distinction. You yes. are right. Thank you for saying that. Oh, thank you. What do you think they were doing? What do you think the mission is? I, I, ooh, that's a really good question. I think I that don't... part of the idea of the, there's two facets I've always thought here. Okay. That one, they're going out to literally seek to prove that the theory of relativity in terms of light travel is you can correct. can do light, faster than light travel. That it, but that it also has the time dilation oh, sure, effect sure. that they think. Okay. I think that it's setting, setting it to prove that. I think that's one thing. Okay. And I think the second thing is they just got like probes and shit on there and they're collecting data. Okay. So it's just a, all right. Yeah. Do you think they ever, like they never intend, obviously they intend to go back to Earth, but they've resigned themselves to never seeing like their yeah. family or friends again, right? Because if the time dilation stuff is right, they would all have been briefed on, you know, Just th- this is all going to be dead when you come back. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's what I, do you have any other No, I think that, yeah. I think that's true. I just wonder if like, yeah, if they were, they're obviously prepared to do science and stuff, but yeah. it's not clear. Well, we'll get to it, but the, the <laughs> ship sinks, so it's not really clear what they were meant to like do yeah, with it. I feel like all the background feeling of it is there and then it's yeah. taken away too quickly to actually explore it more so it doesn't Fair. feel like it's a cheap setup to me yeah like it feels like it's there's somewhat thought out but it also doesn't matter kind of it's just one it, of those yeah, yeah doesn't matter in the end yeah anyway, cool right. uh so everybody goes nappy buys uh and they wake up when the so ship they call it at nasa yeah <laughs> that's what the end is for right Wait till I take a drink of my coffee. Okay. <laughs> um, everybody goes to cryo sleep. We wake up when the ship crashes into the Colorado River. I mean, uh, 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 definitely place. not that. <laughs> I don't recognize any of the locations in this in this place, though. So. They almost went with like Monument Valley and that kind of sure, thing. Sure. But the thought was that will be too recognizable. We have to go somewhere that yeah. isn't, and so they settled here. And it's like Very Utah, Colorado, Arizona oh, sure. kind of okay. area. Which, it, it looks so cool. I'm, it looks fucking awesome. <laughs> I love this landscape. Yeah. It looks amazing. Like, whatever they're filtering, the, like, I don't understand a thing about cinematography. However, <laughs> they're capturing the light is so, like, it It hurts me to watch. I'm like, I can feel myself <laughs> baking watching yeah. this. Yeah, oh my god, yes. So bad. I love Where you're it. like, guys, a hat. W- <laughs> drape something over, my god. Yeah. Anyway. Everybody escapes. We learn that we can breathe on the planet. What else is going on in this opening? We see that uh, it's thirty nine seventy eight according to the chronometer, which is so funny because it's he's like, no, it is. It's two thousand years in the future. I looked at the clock. Like you just programmed the clock to run that fast because you thought that's what it would be. <laughs> what are you doing? And calling into question this thing too when they're talking about like, oh, we're from we're, where are we, Taylor? And he says we're at this constellation in Orion, yes, which is three hundred right. light years from Earth, and like. Yeah, you forget that drift exists. Yeah, like stellar drift. It's gonna, it's gonna fuck up your constellations. Oh, I hadn't thought of that. That's why it never occurs to them. Yeah, I think it's a combination of that and like it could be that, or it could be, um, you know, you you calibrate the tools with your own knowledge, I mean, but you can't yeah. know everything. Yeah. Therefore, you're wrong. Like this, your framework <laughs> is wrong. Therefore, yeah. your answers are wrong. That yeah. thing, which is a classic 
science blunder that you try and avoid. Yep, that's the whole, yeah, the way you're measuring the results is tainted by your own assumptions. So you can never 100%, yeah. Yeah. My my theory here is that their clock is, yes, they are moving at a a faster rate than on Earth, but it's like 10,000 years Mm. instead of 2,000 years. That's, That's my theory for why. Do you think that like the year display on the clock is only for... Uh, places like 3978 maybe there's a one in front of that and it didn't have yeah. the display like, well see exactly <coughs> <laughs> the classic uh, Y2K blunder of we didn't <laughs> think what would happen when we had to measure a different set of things oh, man 32 years out from Y2K <laughs> Even, yeah. they knew they knew anyway so we get off of the ship everybody escapes I love so yeah let's talk about Charlton Heston's performance now oh, let's my just God. get into it because this is the first time right I still game. remember being like a 10 year old watching this and being like what the hell is happening? What is his problem? When they all get out and they're all safe and Landon puts his little American flag up yeah. and Charlton Heston guffaws Bursts his goddamn face laughter. off. Yeah. <laughs> I almost, it almost looks like the laughing is dubbed in. I, I'm sure it is. Okay. Yeah. It's very funny. I definitely, when I, I've watched this movie so many times. This was a grow up with it for some reason. I don't understand why yeah. I knew it so well. I never understood his character at all until, like, maybe the first time we watched it together about five years ago or something like that. (laughs) Okay. And realizing, like, oh, he's laughing at the idea of America, not he's putting up a little flag and that's silly. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Or, yeah, definitely the idea that, if not America as a concept, the idea that anyone would give a fuck what America (laughs) is on this star that's, like... You're never going home. Yeah. There's, this means nothing. Yeah, and it's like, I feel like there's two things going on here. He is a natural pessimist, and he mm-hmm. goes into his, like, I wanted to get away from the awfulness that was Earth. And his captain, whoever, if they got back successfully, whoever's listening to that, like, holy fuck, my guy, you could have just he gone have to the mountains. before, and, like, yeah. and we would have, like, given him something. Antidepressants, Prozac? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. There's that. There's his actual disposition. But that he's the he's ahead on everybody knowing, oh, we're so much farther in the future. Like, everything is dead. Like, this is... Yeah. So enhancing that pessimism even more. And then you roll into that, like, Charlton Heston as an actor and the yeah. style of acting at the time. <laughs> it was really like, oh, yes. that's a, a rich and upsetting cocktail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it will bounce right off your stomach for sure. The more I'm watching it, the more I think... You know, it's 1968. Like, I think he, hilariously, is supposed to be, like, his character is supposed to be an anti-establishment guy. Yeah. And I think he really, like, I don't know. Like, imagine in this, the year of our Lord 2022. I forgot what the last word was. (laughs) Were you going to say our sweet Lord? (laughs) I am now. Uh, like putting up the fl- like uh, I I don't know I don't even know what the equivalent would be like a thin blue line flag oh. on a on a brand new planet <laughs> or something. Well, exactly right like that that. Okay, he's, I get why it's so. <laughs> where you're like, why? <laughs> what the fuck? What does that mean? Like he's so already over the idea of like oh, America. That, that he, he just finds it immediately <laughs> disgusting and therefore just, like, 
riotously funny, you know? Yeah, you're like... It's like, like you're gonna die of, away from everything, anything you've ever known. What are you doing with the flag? for some reason, you have a tiny flag. <laughs> yeah, you want America to be part of that. You're like, making a, the tiniest grave to America. Like. Oh, no, it is! <laughs> yeah, so I think, I think, you know... Charlton Heston being the guy to play this is very funny, but yeah. I think his I think Taylor is supposed to be like a, a hippie almost, or like yeah. you know no, you're I, having it written by a McCarthy guy. Yeah, I hadn't thought about the hippie aspect just because I'm like I don't they wouldn't let him in NASA then, but but <laughs> that's clearly what he's supposed because he's talking later about like basically free love stuff and he's yeah. talking about how institutions don't mean anything anymore and how and, like yeah. we are we fucked up by like developing the atomic bomb like it's just mm. over for humanity like a, a a race that's so evil that it would create that yeah. he's that's his whole thing he's like i can't i don't want to live <laughs> on this planet anymore is, yeah. his, is his thing i think that's why he's so weird is he's so angry immediately yeah, and <laughs> and his acting style is just you mm. know, and so all of that really does combine <laughs> to be weird. <laughs> okay, yes, I I feel like we've come to the same place on this where we were so divorced from whatever was going on with I him. I had no idea. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of choices. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so we we have our march through the desert, which is I got lots of musical stuff to talk about afterwards, so I'll save it. For oh that. sure, but okay. I like. I like it. It's good. Again, Star Trek wishes. Oh my god! This is yeah. the coolest fucking like location stuff. Yeah, very. Yeah, god, TV budgets be damned. <laughs> yeah. This is exactly what they're going for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So they travel through the wastes. It's just yeah, I keep saying the way it was shot and all that. All this. There's a lot of really cool wide shots from like way in the distance. Remind me of like. There's a shot in Bergman's Seventh Seal of, like, death dancing down a hillside. Oh, the ridge, yeah. Yeah, there's one of those shot in, sh- shot in here that looks exactly like that it to does. me. Don't I know, know if that's mean. on purpose, but <laughs> I like it. I sure hope so. Uh, but yeah, so creepy. We get to the scarecrows. They're so creepy. I hate the scarecrows. <laughs> they creep me the fuck out. They're, like, what, I, they're just hides. They're just bundles of sticks wrapped in hides. There's something about their... Yeah, you're com- describing scarecrows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the hides, Nick, they're completely symmetrical. Like oh, yeah. You know, I... Oh, it's just... it's just, They're just designed to creep me out. I don't well, like that's... Well, they're... Yeah, they're designed to creep one out to keep them away. There so you there go. You go. Imagine works. that being the first sign of life you see. Oh, it's like, God. oh, no. <laughs> but they're all so dehydrated and yeah. still like, oh, my God, I hear water. I gotta get the bridge. But we find water, and we meet the primitive mute humans, and we get into the cornfield. starts getting really disorienting, and then Nothing the hunt. Nothing good ever happens in a cornfield. <laughs> nope. Especially in a sci-fi movie. <laughs> yeah, speaking of X-Files. <laughs> the uh, hunt. The hunt. I don't have any specific feelings to articulate, but this, the hunt music, is one of my favorite like music cues of all time. I it's love great. it so, so, so much. <laughs> uh, for the ram's horn and boar. Yeah. For all of it. Uh, everybody gets captured, and the first ape to speak is taking a picture of other apes standing over human corpses. corpses. Smile. Smile, you caught them. (laughs) Oh yeah, that is the first word that an ape says in this movie. Smile. (laughs) And they all kind of shuffle together. (laughs) (laughs) One of them sounds like Burt Lahr from Wizard of Oz. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, and we get to Ape City, and we meet Dr. Zira, the animal psychologist. Yay, Yay Dr. Zira, she's she so is cute. so cute. One of my favorite movie characters. I think this is, I'm just going to point out a really brief thing. Ape City is based on the famous troglodyte city of Turkey, like in Turkey. Okay. That's like uh, primitive uh, settlements that were like carved out of cave walls. Oh, shit. That as soon as I saw, like, yeah, that's exactly what they look like. Because I, I, I don't know... Listeners may vary on this, but it's one of those things that, like, I've just happened to have seen pictures of it sure. many times, so it's just, like, nested in my brain somewhere. Let's see this shit. But it's that like... looks exactly the same. Yeah. That's crazy. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, it clearly works. The Just the shape of, like, the windows and stuff has been setting off a flare in my brain for years, and I'm like, <laughs> I wonder why that reminds me of something. It's because of this very famous thing. There you go. Yeah. I, I, it's got that really good, like, there's no real right angles. There's no mm. metal that we can really see. Like, there obviously yeah. is. They've got, you know, chain links and, and stuff like that. They've got, they can, they can, like, they've got bridles and saddles for the horses. Obviously, yeah. they can work metal. But, um yeah, the the whole and environment. And yeah, <laughs> also is, guns, which is so funny. Just like bolt action rifles. Yeah, weird anachronistic yeah. thing in what is otherwise a medieval society. Yeah, it's so yeah. funny. Um, but, yeah. yeah, just a very organic looking um, city and and design yeah. and and just lots of I don't know what you'd call it like limestone or mm. you know obviously just used what was on hand I like that. Yeah, it's this cool combination of. Maybe it's that the apes are better in their in a natural environment than mm. humans of that similar era would have been. Sure. But also, yeah, they know how to use metal, but not so much so they can like mass produce or make it big. It's like yeah, they haven't invented like industry. Mm. Yes. No ape smokestacks. No. They'd probably climb them. They'd have fun. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but we get to meet some other captives. We meet Nova. Uh, yes. Zero. You're introduced to everyone just kind of all at once. Right? Well, I feel like, yeah, you get this astronaut set up and it feels, again, Star Trek. This is what the movie's going to be. And then we get just to the hunt, kidding. clear out those humans, new <laughs> cast of characters yeah. coming in for Act 2. Yes. <laughs> well, it really, it really maroons them, right? Like, he's, yeah. he's separated from his friends. One of them uh, we saw die. Yeah. One of them we saw get maybe injured, like, fall on his neck. Like, you don't, yeah. I don't know. It's bad. And he can't speak because he got shot in the neck. And mm-hmm. yeah, there's it's it's very just like everything. It, do, it almost doesn't even matter what was happening for the first yeah. like up until now in the movie. Well, you were saying thing. when we watched it, you are always amazed at how long it takes to get to Ape City. It's like yeah. 40, 45 minutes. It's I know. a it's full wild. act of yeah. what you think is going to be space procedurals. And then... This is a thing I think we can't appreciate as contemporary audience mm. now compared to a contemporary audience then. Yeah, if you're aping <laughs> those <laughs> space serials and B-movies yeah. and Star Trek and all that, then everyone knows, oh, okay, and then we explore, and, and then, then we the, meet the thing. Make and contact with the alien Diplomacy, species. and in the end it's all, no, this is the moment where you get shot in the neck and someone stomps on your head <laughs> <Yeah>. and, like... <laughs> they don't care what you are, actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's, it takes a turn. So it's a good rug pull moment that I feel like can't land as well in today's times, but it it still works for me. So yeah. yeah, it's it's like you know it's so iconic that it almost is hard to take on its own merits. Yes. But it's yeah, it yeah. does help to be familiar with the sci-fi of the time for mm-hmm. sure. 
we get introduced to the ape caste system, which is all implied. Nobody actually says any of this, but I feel like the lines are drawn yeah. so well. Yeah. That it's, it's well, very... Well, the gorillas are always doing the hunting and the guarding. Yep. And, like, they're the, the muscle. They're the military and, and like, yeah. yeah, heavy labor stuff. They're all doing it. Julius with his cigar. <laughs> I love Julius. He didn't deserve to... <laughs> he kind of did. Well, I mean, you know. <laughs> Just jumping on a cigar, guarding a... <laughs> Who... I'm trying to imagine a human guarding, like, a, a zoo room, just chomping on a cigar and yelling yep. at the monkeys occasionally. <laughs> like, that was, okay. the, uh, the cigar is so funny. That act, the actor who plays Julius, it was his idea. Oh, it's yeah. like, I should smoke a cigar. Good for him, yeah. He's <laughs> like, good. you're right, you should. You should. Uh, we've got orangutans as the government and religion and just general top of the... Power brokers. Yeah. Yeah. Top of the totem pole. I was trying to think of a fun way to make it about apes when they <laughs> sure. climb on things. But... Redwood tree. I don't know. Oh, well, cut this out. Uh, and chimpanzees <laughs> are uh, the intelligent ones. So they're scientists and doctors and stuff. Right. But they're right. also kind of implied to be like grunt work. Not not in the same way as the gorillas. Not brute force wise. But, like, but just like... This isn't important. Right. They might be like. overlooked jobs like custodial staff. Or mm. they might be gardeners. You know, like farmers. That kind of thing. And, yeah. One, someone does say, I think when Zira and Cornelius are talking about it, like, well, you know, I'm just a chimpanzee. Like, there's mm. there's one brief mention of <laughs> that being a hurdle you would have to overcome in, in their society. Um, and then nothing else. But you're right. It, it's very obvious. Like, they're even they're even dressed in different colors. Yeah. And, like, it's, it's very clear. Like, I don't know which comes first. Do they dress themselves into their separate casts because they dress as their cast or was it like decided okay oh right if you're going to work as a gorilla person you wear green or whatever yeah, yeah. probably that second one now that i said it out loud but uh, like there's something about the fact that it's a theocracy to me is like oh the robes for the orangutans totally. are probably yeah yes you wear a certain robe on this day of the year fucking whatever you know, I'd seen this so many times being like, ah, commenting on society, this movie. I didn't realize it was a European man writing about America, which is always my favorite version it's of people writing about always America. always very funny. It's just like, I don't give a shit about anything. What are you going to do? I what live you, over here. There's an ocean in the way. Neener, neener, neener. <laughs> if you uh-huh. just declare war, you're proving me right. <laughs> nah, it's good stuff. Yeah, so we meet Zira and we get to know that she's like, a nice lady. <laughs> she's just a nice lady. She's very, like, she's got a, again, almost an angry energy about her, where mm-hmm. she's just, like, so smart and driven that anyone who is like, this isn't a good idea, she's like, you shut your fucking mouth! She's like, got she's the powerful, so frustrated administrator yes, disease yeah. <laughs> that uh, we suffer from on the podcast. <laughs> Without the power, but yes. Yeah, no, yeah. But just that that same thing that anybody who is like literally got their hands in the job that has to explain it to their boss who doesn't have their hands in the job. But who does control the budget. Yeah. Like this is important for reasons that I can't quite articulate in yeah. a way that you'll understand. If but... you don't already understand why this is important, I can't help you. <laughs> and it's stupid that you're my boss as a result. Like yeah. it's very much that. I think she's got a good like another great world building thing in this is that the orangutans like yes they are you know they have they hold the power and they're the ultimate you know i guess legal and spiritual and political authority yeah yeah. but they're also very like they're scared of any challenge Mm, right yeah and so zira's got this good 
when whenever she's on the offensive, they really they do retreat. They might <sighs> bluster and and like, you can't. But they she can kind of steamroll them a little bit because yeah. she knows that they're just like scared. They're just scared of challenges. And I like actually I like that you pointed that out too because they do retreat a little bit. But you could get if I was an orangutan, I'd be like. <laughs> That's just my natural posture because I'm an orangutan. So it's kind of like it enhances <laughs> sure. the apeness of them and the otherness of them, but without, but while still making it clear that they're yeah on the back foot or whatever. Yeah, yeah. it's great. Yeah, it's I a really that. good like it's it's such a picture of you know a group that's been in power for too long and and no longer actually knows how to wield the power. They yeah. just rely on everyone else understanding and respecting that they have the power. Gotta and maintain Zira, that status quo. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Zira's not uh, on board with that all of the time, and yeah. it's 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 a really good character bit where she's like she knows her place, but she also knows their place, and mm. their place is not as uh, strong as they would like to think it is. Yeah, like the so we meet Cornelius after a little bit too when yes. Taylor shows that he can write, and we we oh no, it's even before that. Anyway, we meet Cornelius. No, it's it's right. It's when they're in the they have outside time. Yeah, the humans in and, the yard. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and he comes to meet her at work. Yeah, uh, but we get the really clear. I don't know what you call this exactly, but the this is such a well established character coupling of strong uh, woman who wants to take on authority and, and sure. both literally in terms of having authority and. Oh, sure, sure. The, the authority that's there. Challenging like, them. Challenging them, yeah. yeah. And the man who works with the authority that, like... <laughs> within the system. <laughs> within the system is, like, kind of scared to challenge it and ultimately finds... Is ultimately the, kind of the pragmatist also. He's like, they do control the grant money. Like, yeah. you know. Where it's like, you can see both of their sides of things, but you definitely side with her. She is the right one. <laughs> it's just such a good... I don't know why... This is, I'm sure, why, one of the reasons that this movie was so popular in its day of, hey, it's we, it's us, but they're apes. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's what the whole movie is. Yes. Uh, I think we'd all like to think we're Zira, and then, like, probably we're Cornelius, oh, unless I'm, we have another Zira around, and then it's, you know. <laughs> I'm very aware of my inner Cornelius. There's a reason I introduced us that way on this pod. Uh, yeah, it's... God, the shorthand of what I was saying, the exposition, is at once so blunt and, like, clubbing you over the head with it, and at times so deftly done. This yes. is that thing of, like, oh, you get, like, two minutes with them, and you know every single thing about their life. Yeah. Like, it's wild. I it's love it. It's so funny. You know what they are? I keep bringing this up, but they're Scully and Mulder is who they are. Zira is the Mulder, where she's like, there's gotta be, like, oh, there's yeah. crazy shit out there, and this is a real thing that could happen, and, and he's like, I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> what are you, crazy? Cornelius, have you ever heard of the speaking human of the jungle? <laughs> Tosses a file folder under her <laughs> <a> desk. <laughs> was not expecting this episode to be ma so mainly based in 90s TV. I know. I was. I have an agenda. <laughs> I, yeah, it's... Great, great character work. And I got it, like, you might know the name of the prosthetics designer. I can yes. never remember it. but John Chambers. Yes, thank you. It really, the 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 face acting, full chimp face acting, mm -hmm. uh, Kim Hunter and Roddy McDowell, just spectacular. Spectacular. Like, spectacular. You'd, you'd think that it's the 
part of the movie you have to overlook and yeah. like give a pass to of like okay well like given the limitations it actually sells the whole thing yeah like i i have no concept of what they look like under the makeup like those are just their faces to me well there's yeah here's some fun anecdotes coming your way so the the facial acting this is allegedly Roddy McDowell was the one who was like came up with the idea of how they would approach their oh, face okay. acting, and I mean he, him and Kim Hunter worked together to obviously have that good rapport. Yeah. But both of them were like, yeah, you take the thing that you would do that you think you would do with your face, right. multiply it by one thousand, right, sure. and never stop doing it. Like <laughs> if your face is still for even half a second, everyone will be like, "That's a mask." That's a mask. Yeah. Oh, so okay. you just have to like endlessly. And she's saying, Kim Hunter specifically in interviews saying, "It's some of the most tired she's ever been oh, I because bet. her like your facial muscles are one supporting all of these prosthetics, yeah. and two, they don't stop moving for a ten-hour shooting day where like that never happens normally. No, true. So, yeah. Um, and the second fun anecdote is at the premiere, they're all watching the movie and all that, and. Uh, it's either right before or right after or something. Charlton Heston goes up to somebody and is like, so, like, he's just mingling. Like, what do you think of the movie? Sure. What brings you to do do And he's talking to Kim Hunter. He doesn't recognize her. He has <laughs> no idea great. what she looks like. They kissed. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't know what she looks like. That's amazing. Okay, I feel totally justified yeah. now. I'm like, I don't, like, I can see a picture of Kim Hunter. I, I, I can't, I can't link those two. A lot of the, the like, marketing um, around the movie was showing the actors next to, like, with their prosthetics on and yes. then the prosthetics off. They are unrecognizable. Like, there is no way. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah. I've seen other movies with Morris Evans, and I had right. no idea it was the same guy until I, like, you know, looked oh, at yeah, IMDb. I have as well, and I'm like, wait, that, that Morris Evans? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's weird that it's another Morris Evans. <laughs> Even Roddy McDowell, I feel like there's one movie, again, one of these, like, dumb 60s sci-fi B movies, <laughs> where he does kind of move the same way, but the face you would not recognize. Yeah. He's, he's just lanky, you yeah. know? Yeah, it's so funny. Um, it, it totally, totally sells the movie in a way oh that God, I yeah. don't think they caught, could have gotten away with if that was even a fraction less well-designed yeah. and less well-thought-out. It would be a silly movie. <laughs> it would be a very silly movie. Yeah. And I'm you're seeing this for later. A little tease on what I got to talk about after the uh, Ooh, la la. After we get through the rest of this year plot. Yeah. Okay. Um, so where the hell were we? I guess uh, we were just talking about we the characters. Know, yep. Um, under threat of castration, Taylor uh, escapes because I mean I'd run. I'd run. <laughs> yep. Uh, with starts with Julia saying like you have no idea what they're gonna do to you. Yeah. Like no, he knows. Oh, he can hear you. <laughs> He's well aware. I guess it's like they don't want him to breed and like they know he can talk, so they don't want him to pass that yeah, on. Right? That's Zayas yeah. stepping in. Yes. Yeah. To do that, and we get the the escape. He sees Dodge's stuffed corpse in a museum, yeah. which is fucked up. <laughs> Fucked up. Ugh. Yeah. Good, uh, you know, good job. They do it well, but like... Ugh. He's got more lacerations around the throat as everyone tries to pull him over all the time. Oh, uh, I love this run around Ape City because you're just running into like, you know, there's kids walking home from school yeah. and all this stuff and throwing <laughs> he, fruit at him. Yeah. <laughs> Don't waste your food. He dodges into a funeral, which I, I think is very I funny. I love that funeral yeah. bit. It's, he never met an ape he didn't like. <laughs> so great <laughs> i know it's the dumbest thing in the world and like i'm a very dumb person so this works on me perfectly <laughs> of like wow yeah it is fucked up to see an ape do it so why do we do it like yeah. oh you sweet idiot <laughs> these these like i have these two classes of sci-fi in my brain where there's like 
I'm gonna call it subtle sci-fi. It's not the right word, but like yeah. something more like like your your Blade Runners, your your things that are like oh, okay, sure. there's like an idea, and then like six stops along the way to like build a world around that, and sure. then there's the other sci-fi idea, which is just a single question, and like we'll figure it out. I don't know. <laughs> what if apes? Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> that like there's such. Yeah. I have such a soft spot for this particular kind of sci-fi that I know isn't, it was the style of, you know, 50s, 60s stuff more, definitely not in style now, but it's like, it is so barefaced in what it's trying to present to you that I, I love it so much. It's so great. It's just people coming up with fun ideas. It's great. <laughs> I feel like Island of Dr. Moreau is exactly like this. Exactly what I'm thinking of, yes. And, yeah, sure. And like, Starship Troopers is like this, mm. you know, where it's just like, are there truly people who still don't understand? <laughs> really? Well, a lot of people don't understand Starship Troopers as a satire, so... I, this is exactly... Yeah. <laughs> and there are still people who are like, no, like, Island of Dr. Moreau isn't about Britain. It's like, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Uh, yes. Bold sci-fi. Let's let's say that. Yeah. Let's be yeah, kind like about it. Yeah. yeah, bold <laughs> sci-fi. Subtle and bold. Um, bold and italic sci-fi. Anyway, I'm just <laughs> thinking about fun. Uh, the capture of Taylor comes about and he can talk, he can talk, he can talk, he can talk, he can, he can sing. sing. <laughs> um, it's a great line. Yeah. He, so just little Charlton Heston thing here. He was sick with like an awful flu the entire time they were shooting oh, this movie. God. It's one of the reasons he sounds so like raggedy as hell. Yeah. And when they shot this particular scene, he like could barely talk. It was the end of like... A day of shooting, and that's why his Jeez. voice sounds like shit. It sounds awful, but you're meant to, yeah. Yeah, and everyone's like, you know what? You just got shot in the neck. It's pretty good. You're like, yeah, you're right. Okay, okay yeah. <laughs> Please let me go. <laughs> uh, and also that scene that he's shooting, uh, he's tired because he has the flu for six weeks or however oh long it's gosh. going on. He's just running a fever. He's getting blasted with hoses. He's wearing next to nothing the whole time. Like, he's being, you know, these are things that you can do on a movie set that you cannot do under the Geneva Convention. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is not good for a person. And, like, prior to him shooting the scene where he gets strung up and shouts at people, mm. uh, he turns to his stunt double in for the they're throwing fruit at me part. Uh, and they, like, have to shoot him running through a thing and then standing and he can shot. He's like, right. do you mind doing these last few? I'm so tired. I can't stand. And just enough, goes, no. <laughs> like, wait, why? He's like, you weren't looking where you're walking. You have been running through poison ivy for the past two hours. Oh, my God. And she's like, why didn't you tell me? <laughs> he wakes up the next morning. He's hacking. His legs are, like, no. pink with poison ivy. <laughs> just a Can we get shoot. that hose back in here? <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Char so did no one like Charlton Heston on this shoot, do we think? Quite the opposite, I believe. Really? So I think it was much more of a, like, we're afraid to tell him. Oh, I see. I, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Goddamn. I do want to, you know, the the new trilogy is what it is. I also like it a lot. It's a great trilogy. Mm -hmm. I, big fan over here. Big fans. The moment where Caesar talks for the first time and the moment where Taylor talks for the first time are such good, like... It's the the apes trilogy. The original one ended up, you know. Obviously, there's some there's elements of like theocracy is bad. Mm. This like over zealous political religious enshrinement. Like there are you know themes in this movie for sure. <laughs> yeah. But it developed into such a an obvious in your face civil rights mm. allegory. Um, 
that it's it's wonderful to me that the first time you hear both of them speak, which is like getting your voice back, like taking your power into your own hands, are they're just saying fuck you. Yeah. They're not saying like I come in peace. It's don't fucking touch me. <laughs> is both of those times, yeah. right? And they're so like Caesar's bit is so good. All all he has to do is scream the word no. And like time stops. Just your ears start ringing. Yeah. yeah. It's a wild moment. I love it. But it's exactly the same in here, right? Yeah. Where it's like, oh, they have a voice. They can talk. It's they're, they're they just ratcheted up one level of personhood, you yeah. know? And I, I just love that of like, when you, yeah, you try and silence people when you don't want to engage with them as people. Yeah. It's good like, shit. People will take notice only when you refuse to engage yeah. in what you're being told to engage in. Yeah. yeah. And you can, that's so easily painted as like, oh, violence. Like, they're doing violence by disagreeing with me or whatever <laughs> it is. Like, no, you've been stepping on their fucking neck and now they've Literally, had it. in this yeah. case. <laughs> Anyway, and I just really like that. And netting it. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, he should never be able to talk. They have Got traumatized it. his throat area. Yeah. Anyway. Bullet through the throat. That's a bummer. Yeah, it's a big bummer. Yeah. Uh, so we get into the very famous uh, hearing scene yes. in here, which is Charlton Heston's first nude scene. Uh, oh yeah, there's camera. a lot of man ass in this movie, one which I the, also forget about. One of the very few G-rated full of nudity movies out yeah. there. <laughs> Where like... <laughs> Maybe it's just that the lens is too long. Like, I'm 100% sure if you really went through it, you could find a penis in this movie. Oh, yeah. Like, Jordan Heston Definitely. is very aware that his hawk is on camera. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he talks about it in interviews as just like, yeah, it was like kind of what was needed. I was very uncomfortable. Oh, no. Uh, apparently, he got reversed sexual harassed. Usually it's a guy who's sexually harassing a woman. And in this case, Uh-oh. in the... This, Hearing scene? Yes. He gets stripped and yeah. they, like, you know cut okay reset and while they're doing that like a craft services lady came by and pinched his butt and said "Ooh, nice buns no what no <laughs> and he like laughed it off he's like ha 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 uh, <laughs> but seriously can i get some fucking clothes <laughs> yeah oh no the that's... one time it's happened to a dude <laughs> yeah that's yeah. not true no, I know. <laughs> yikes yeah all right hmm. so anyway the trial happens uh it is a combo of just like we are Pulling in the Scopes Monkey Trial stuff or pulling in McCarthy hearing stuff. Right. Yeah. Just the idea of questioning anything is on trial, it seems. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, got the right writer for it. What's <laughs> the Scopes Monkey Trial? Is that the Normal one where they're, they're not allowed to teach evolution because yeah, it's not godly? Yeah. I see. Okay. Yeah. So, it, literally. It's just very funny to me that that's the name of the trial and we're <laughs> going to do that in this movie. That's all. Just cute. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Scopes Monkey Trail filtered through McCarthy hearings sure. is kind of what we're doing here. Very yeah. leading question. You know, when did you stop beating your wife style yeah. questions? Like, yeah. Okay, you can't <laughs> possibly. Yes. Very famous trivia bit. The like, hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil was like improvised. And oh, the nice. editor or editor, whoever was showing the finished product to the director was like, it's pretty funny, eh? Yeah, I think uh, it's cute. Assuming that it wouldn't go into the final right. movie. <laughs> Too much of a joke, but... <laughs> but... It's great. It's good. But it went in. And I love... Oh, I can't remember which one he is. The board president who's right. like running the trial. Such amazing, tired administrator acting. Oh, my God. Like, it. he just doesn't even care. He does not want to be there. He has no stakes in this. He's yeah. just running through, uh, like, the, the operations manual of running a trial. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All the letter of the law stuff and just, like, can't give a shit. Until, like, I think Taylor starts speaking and he starts, like, paying attention. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Like, wait yeah. a minute, something new. He almost doesn't 
Zayas is very much the one who's who seems the most flustered and the most angry during this yeah. trial because it is kind of his purview, right? Like I feel like this coming to trial is almost he's in trouble that it even got to yeah. the the like desk of the <laughs> board president or whatever, right? And as we like learn in the end that Zayas knows more than he lets on about humans to like it's that defensive thing of just like no matter what he says, like, yeah. I no, of course not. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the very good. It's I I love the line of questioning Zira has to take. Like, why is he on trial if the argument is that he's not a person? Yeah. You can't put an animal on trial, yeah. which is not even true in human history. We do we've done that in the past for sure. But like, it's it's a great like you have to strike at the philosophical roots of why we're even having this yeah. trial. Like, why did you think it was necessary to punish this person for? being a level of intelligence you think can't be punished because it doesn't understand things is a, a good touch. The response of, oh, come on, we all know why we're here, is what yeah. this is. And Zero no, no. being like, no, you have to explain it to me. Yes. Use your own rules yeah. to tell me why this is wrong. Again, just a real good, like, she knows that they can't without yeah. looking like idiots, so it's it's a good line to take. Like, nope, let her the law yourself. And yeah. doubling down on all that. It's great. Cornelius the whole time being very, like, sweetie, sweetie. No, don't shut up. <laughs> then he gets thrown in and has to, they get charged with heresy in the end, which is so funny. Yeah. But the thing that I. Scientific heresy, which I just, every time I hear it, a brain cell dies. <laughs> I love the, like, you're pointing out Zayas being, like, more angry than everybody else. Mm -hmm. In the following scene, when he, like, negotiates with Taylor, like, yeah, you're going to be brain dead. Like, I'm going to yeah. lobotomize you. You can save yourself that if. You tell me where you really came from. Yes. Like, Zayas knows that humans can talk. He just doesn't know where this guy's coming from. Yeah. Because outer space is crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, it's not even that, yeah, the the real thing hasn't even occurred to them, which is very funny because it's almost, Taylor's not a threat to them because yeah. he, there's no more of him. He's it. <laughs> but as we learn in the sequels eventually, well, yes. there are, but I feel like that's like, the screenwriters for the next movie must have just been sitting there like, what the hell can we do with another movie? Well, Zayas <laughs> let on we that there were, he calls uh, Taylor in this, a local human mutant. Right. Tell me where your tribe the is. The mutant, yes. Yeah. So like, laying down that little seed that we'll explore in the next movie. <laughs> it's one of the only non-insane choices they made in the second one. <laughs> it's pretty insane stuff, but but it's like regular sci-fi insane. It's about, exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. This was clearly a part of the, the world yeah. before. Yeah, it's very funny. Like, he just, that's that's all he's there for. He just wants to hold on to his relevance and his power. Mm -hmm. He's just scared. Yeah. That's that's all. But that he still holds the power, technically. So we, from the follow to that, uh, we meet Lucius, who's Zira's nephew, I think. Yeah, that's right. And he springs right. Taylor from jail. We make it to the cave where Cornelius has been digging up stuff. And we get the like the big conclusion of of Cornelius showing, oh, here's our human artifacts that come from a time before, before uh, apes. A I was gonna say ape manity, simianity, <laughs> simianity. <laughs> uh, I like that. Um, and the talking doll that like more or less proves it. Zayas won't believe it. And then Zayas lies and says, oh yeah, I won't charge them with heresy. You can take off. And then a wink blows up the cave, charges them with heresy. <laughs> Just, Obviously. Oh, come on, dude. I it, it was a little funny to me 
watching it for the first time where Taylor almost doesn't even care. Like, he's grateful to be out of jail. Mm -hmm. But I don't think he's emotionally invested at all in, like, we're going to prove him wrong because he's had that talk with Zaius. Yeah. He knows Zaius is not interested in, like, well, if we show him the truth, they'll have to believe us. And we'll be... He's like, you guys are morons. Obviously, that's never going to happen. Once they escape and they're at that, like, crossroads where they kind of, like... They meet up and they change wagons or whatever. When they're there, Taylor even says something like, I'm going beyond the Forbidden Zone or whatever. And Cornelius is like, well, we're going to this cave. And it sounds like they're going to different places. And then they Mm -hmm. just happen to go along together is how it felt, how it's always felt to me. So like, he is one step out the door already. They're just traveling together because they happen to be going in that one direction. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I mean, there's that good shot of like, he's yelling over the canyon basically to Lucius, I think. Or no, he and Lucius are on one side of the canyon, yeah, like Cornelius the is on which the is other like... side, which is a great little visual representation of, like, <laughs> the young guy, which is, again, why I think he's kind of, like, he he likes Lucius a little yeah. bit, Taylor does. He's like, never trust Just anyone over 30. 30. <laughs> like, keep that youthful fire. <laughs> he, I, I do think he used to be, like, a hippie mm. anti-establishment guy, because he's like, yep, that's how I started out, and, like, if there's ever going to be any change, it's got to be Lucius, and Cornelius is literally on the other side of this canyon from yeah. them being, like, well, if we just show, if we just play by the establishment's rules, they'll have to respect us. And Taylor and Lucia's both being like, nice fucking try. That's a really cool process shot, too, because, like, mm. the that uh, that place that they're standing doesn't exist. That is, oh. those cliffs actually have ground between them. Sure. The river, it's they're, like, thousands of miles from what that river is. Oh. It's just, it's pro- the process <laughs> shot is done so effectively that you don't know to question it a lot. I, I did not at all, yeah. yeah. It's good stuff. It's really good stuff. Um, yeah, Lucius is the, like, it's funny how late he comes into the story where he's like, oh, this is, <laughs> this is, I agree with you. I think that, yeah, Charlton Heston was that kid. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's good stuff. Yeah. There was a, a plot thread that they dropped here that they were going to show that Linda Harrison as Nova was pregnant. Oh, sure, with, sure. Uh, something. <laughs> A clown. No. But they literally cut it because they're like, oh, that gives too much hope for the future. Ooh. It's like, we can't allow any <laughs> optimism in here. What are we doing? I mean, like, Taylor has traveled through faster than light subspace. Yeah. He's not having any more Shooting children. Blanks, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? Like, nothing is human about his physiology anymore. Wandering through the irradiated forbidden zone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really? Yeah. It's. I, I do like it. It is just classic bleak uh, shit where it's like, yay, we found the the cave. They'll have to take us seriously. Yeah. And there's not even any, it's just an interesting footnote because you know no chance in hell is Zayas going to respect that. Yeah. And they but like they wrap up that story. You kind of know where that's going to go. We get mm-hmm. the big reveal of the Statue of Liberty. So right. we kind of see where that story doesn't end, but like where... It's reached, like, Taylor has reached his answers Almost or circles back, yeah. Yeah, and they, like, cut the pregnancy things. They're like, oh, people will have too many questions after it's over. Like, this is so far oh. before franchise filmmaking. Right, yeah. That, like, <laughs> and they course. didn't think they were going to do a second one. No, of course not. They yeah. have trouble getting this one made. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, it's so, again, almost you can't even watch it on its own merits anymore because it's so famous. It's yeah. like, yep, there's that twist ending. But they really, like, they hold that shot for a long time, and he's just like screaming and sobbing into the sand and it really like sitting there and thinking like rethinking the whole movie that came before 
and what it means for like he he said he was like this is gonna solve everything and he blasted off the whole planet that he hated and assumed that when he came back like things would be better yeah leaving behind everyone and everything that he knew in the meantime and it got worse (laughs) yeah that is a brutal fucking ending. And I so like that bad. they were specifically going for, like, we can't leave this man one iota of hope. <laughs> really fucking bury his nose in it. Yeah, it's, it's a tr- really brutal ending. The original ending that Rod Serling wrote is is this, like, finds the Statue of Liberty. Very sure. different. Like, the original ending of the novel is he fixes the spaceship, he travels back to Earth, oh. because it is a different planet. Sure, sure. <laughs> uh, it's a planet of apes. Yes. Uh, uh, he gets to his home planet, and it's the, the Marky Mark, Planet of the Apes ending, of he lands, oh, right. he is in Washington, and he's and like, I'm home, everybody, descend. and they're all apes. Oh, <laughs> That's also very funny. I feel like you get the same kind of like, oh no, humanity was doomed the whole time yeah. vibe from that. That's fair. It's just like three, but the actual extra step removed is then you zoom out another step further in the book and it's two hyper-intelligent spacefaring chimpanzees reading it as <laughs> a, like they found a message in a bottle in space kind of thing. Okay. And they're reading it and they get to the end like, that's made up. No humans that smart. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, you gotta cut out, like, yeah. two or three layers of <laughs> twist. <laughs> That's wild. Uh, oh, Rod. But the his Rod Serling's original ending is so much bleaker than this one, because it ends with, it's a big chase, like, Zaius' ape armies are chasing after, sure. in their, like, helicopters and stuff, they're oh, chasing shit, after right. Taylor. Because the 60s. And he's, like, running into the jungles and the brush, and, like, Cornelius goes down, Zira goes down, oh. and he, like stops short of, like, a tree that he almost runs into, and he looks up, and it's the Statue of Liberty. And he just starts crying, cut to black, gunshot. Ooh, just like, what the dear fuck, buddy? God. <laughs> Rod, you okay, hon? Like, you doing holy, okay? Holy shit, oh, my dude. It's so dark. It's so dark. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't, it almost... <laughs> That's at least, like, a real exclamation point of an ending. A real exclamation point. This like, ending is just, like, Zira and Cornelius will probably uh, go to jail for two or three years. It's the quiet. On a work camp. No, exactly. The, yeah. the, the, like, you don't even get unending. You just get shunted away, like, to be yeah. invisible. That's more brutal to me, in, like, in a way. Cornelius and Zira are bleeding out, looking at Taylor stopped in front of the Statue of Liberty, and one of them says to the other, like, why did he stop? And the other one said, he has nowhere left to run. Oh my god. It's <laughs> so awful. Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, and this is, this is one of the reasons Ooh. this movie, I find it so endlessly fascinating, of... It's just a big entertainment thing. Yeah. Like, it's a big, dumb blockbuster <laughs> What in if many apes ways. were scary? Yeah. But it's got this, such a dark underpinning. Real kernel of, <laughs> absolutely like, kills me. how much can we beat our emotion, our audience emotionally? Yeah. One, so that's... Okay. Planet of the Apes, ladies and gentlemen. One question I had for you. A planet where apes evolved from man. Yeah. What is your take on how the apes exist here? Because mm. I don't think we agree on what it is. Like, do you think they evolved from man? In in my premise where they didn't calibrate the clocks right at all, mm. and it's almost like you're just throwing a dart. It's not even linear. Yeah, I think okay. they, they landed, like, hundreds of millennia in the future mm. almost. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going with the evolution thing, where okay. it's, it's almost sadder that way because 
we had this brand new start and like a new civilization's time and they're doing mm. all the exact same <laughs> shit wrong. <laughs> that's that's what I think of instead of the more understandable, well, apes saw human society be a certain way so they're mimicking that. Mm. That's a like sure that makes sense you're just continuing the existing civilization the idea that no matter who you start with civilization is going to tend toward crab oh, right where the crab so is like worse. theocracy and like abuse of power yeah i know oh boy <laughs> and i think that's what they would have wanted <laughs> good lord yeah that's my take what about you i i like that more but i can't get out of my mind the the version of things that are like the clock that he sees in the spaceship is more or less right or whatever. Okay, sure. So we've only got a r- roughly 2,500 or 2,000 years, something like that. That that's, that's not enough time. That's not enough time. No. So, like, my in my brain, the way that this works is in, like, Taylor's version of society. In, like, the year 2050, nuclear war destroys all life on Earth. And I think the that's reason a given. Yeah. That, they, that the apes are where they're at is because the radiation, like, oh. it is inhumaned them yeah like it forced it random mutation that resulted in speech and yeah, yeah okay more intelligence there because like they are a heart a heartier species than we are heartier species sure. than we are to which one is it heartier or hardier i think in this instance you mean hardier tougher. that's what i'm going with yeah they're they they can stand up to more in terms of like say radiation they or digest more bacteria. shit they're like, they yeah. heal faster yeah yeah so like that's how that like circle squares in my mind. That of, that like, also makes yeah. total sense. But, and it does it is logical that like, oh, we're just taking over the society as it exists with the same infrastructure and like so oh, let's design a city. Let's yeah. make it look roughly like the cities we would have known. It also that to me makes sense of they have guns, but also they're in like a medieval yeah. period. <laughs> they're like, in like grass huts but i'm also doing the thing i'm trying to force too much framework on a thing that it, i don't go go away it's I, fine it's yeah. fine <laughs> my dumb organizing brain needs to categorize these things uh cool i like your take much more because that feels much oh, more philosophically you. and thematically tied to what is being set out to yeah that that to me tracks more with apparently how fucking bleak they wanted to make this whole movie yeah god <laughs> Uh, speaking so of making dark. this movie, uh, let's talk about some of the stuff that went into making this movie. Hell yeah. Uh, like, it's funny looking into when they were shopping the script around and trying to get it made because they were laughed out of the studios. Oh, just endlessly. The only reason it got made is because they got the script in front of Charlton Heston and he's like, yeah, I'll do that. Nice. All right. And so he... Had the star pull. Yeah. He had... That was enough for people to actually hear a pitch on it, really. Right. Um, but then... So he, like, recommended the director. He got, like, oh. some things going. It was very much Heston's show. Okay. Which is Good very interesting to me with, like, this yeah, 60 years later. Yeah, did he know what he, no, he did. <laughs> was he, doing? Okay, he all was, right. Which is funny because he's, like, the big all-American kind of... He's a big, like, Second Amendment guy specifically, right? Oh, but yeah. He's, I think it's he's got that kind of, like more like richer white guy disease mm. where he's like i believe very strongly in this but also this and not having to really exist in the place where those two things aren't compatible yeah you know I mean? like it's funny listening to him talk about his attitudes at the time where like he was very mm. against vietnam and all that which right going exactly on. yeah but like but yeah he but is like still... personal rights to to bear arms yeah. that kind of thing yeah so he's in that weird gray zone oh that's so funny um but yeah he like for those big spoiler for the second Planet of the Apes movies, <laughs> it was his idea to destroy the Earth in it, because <laughs> he was like, "That's the only end result of humanity." Like he's, yeah. which is just like, "Dude, you doing okay?" <laughs> um, Everyone in this movie just 
depressed as shit. Yeah. Uh, so Heston gets Shafter on board, and one of the reasons people are like, we can't make this movie. It would be the most expensive movie ever made. Mm-hmm. Uh, the director's the guy that's like, why don't we not make it contemporary 60s technology and make it like we can do we'll all the same thematic back. stuff yeah and it was like we'll hey. just film out in the desert it's fine cool hey. uh the main remaining problem though was the makeup yes oh Ev- no doubt everybody was worried oh people aren't going to take this seriously at all because a completely fair reservation to have yes so they did a, a like a really expensive makeup test by doing a scene from one of the rough drafts of the script. Sure. And, like, if you have the physical media, or, like, it's probably on YouTube, the, this exists. They filmed... Oh, nice. Uh, it's, like, a 10, 5, 10-minute ten scene or something. Okay. And it's got Cornelia, Cornelius, Zira, Dr. Zaius, and Heston, in, yeah. like, having a conversation that eventually turns into the cave conversation. Mm, sure. In the movie. Okay. But uh, Dr. Zaius, played by Edward G. Robinson, <laughs> who was originally going to be Dr. Zaius. Oh, shit. That would have um, been cool. But he jumped ship right before because he was old, had heart troubles, and couldn't envision having that much prosthetic on him all the time. I mean, yeah, as people are, like, dying of heat stroke this week, like, yeah, that can actually hurt you. And people were fainting on set, like, they're in a desert and everything, so Mm -hmm. like, yep. In the makeup test, it's, like, not as far along, so it looks much more human. Okay. Especially the chimpanzees look much more human. You're kind of working with, yeah. Yeah. Uh, James Brolin is there as Cornelius. Uh, Linda Harrison is there as Zira. Oh, shit. Uh, James Brolin. Yeah. All right. It's weird. <laughs> Very weird. Uh, but the makeup test was successful enough that everyone's like, okay, we can envision this, this being a thing. This is the big hurdle. Yeah. And the apes in the makeup test are much less ape-y. Their mm. faces just look different is really it. Okay, sure. Um, so it's like... This is more of a like well-done Halloween makeup yeah, <laughs> than yeah. it is a, a mask. Like they look like apes, but they talk and act like human beings oh sure, sure so there isn't all of this like slightly bent posture i guess if you're going with this like it's just the 1960s like madmen but apes yeah <laughs> then yeah so they get uh based on this they're like okay we can make this movie happen at fox and they get john chambers who we mentioned yes. who was uh, a world war ii veteran who built prosthetics for wounded vets like that's oh, how he got up. started which is like if you look into like Tom Savini of of yeah. uh, Don Dead. Yeah. That's same exact same no story. No way. Yeah. I didn't know that at all. Yeah. Oh, that so makes total sense though. He's the guy that did the makeup and prosthetics for like the monsters. He invented Spock's <laughs> ears. Like, oh fuck off! All oh, of, that's awesome. All of this stuff is John Chambers. John so Chambers. That's huge. I mean, duh. Now that you're saying it, like yes, you go to the guy who has experience making. Facial prosthetics that yeah. work with your face as it is. Yeah, that like react to your physiology. Yeah. And yeah, and like are as comfortable as they as can be. As physically possible, yeah. Yeah, so for this, he got an Oscar for just, I, oh, I didn't write down what it's called. You know when they just do like special Oscar award for making film sure. better? Yeah. Like, it's, <laughs> it's the very vague. Was it the first of something or was it like an honorary, honorary Oscar? Honorary Oscar. Oh, okay, technique. sure. But that's not all John Chambers is famous for. Oh boy. John, Are we about to take a turn? Uh, it's not a bad turn. Okay. Uh, following this movie in the 70s, especially late 70s, so he's got like a body of work under himself. Okay. John Chambers worked as a contractor for the CIA, <gasps> creating disgui- disguise kits for no personnel stationed way. in other countries. Yeah. No fucking way. Oh my god. Oh my god. They had these? Yeah, they had these. I assume they're just... just like ape prosthetics. <laughs> You've got Vulcan ears and chimpanzee mouths, and that's it. No one will know who you are. You will be arrested. But But they will not suspect your CIA. I guarantee you that. 
<laughs> oh my god. I thought this was just like a man from Uncle. Like No, it was real. Oh my god. I don't know how effective they were. Yeah. I, well, I mean, I they have, look good. They do look good. I have to assume they were mostly just for like shuttling people from place to place to avoid surveillance. I suppose, yeah, so yeah. they don't take pictures of you with the briefcase that matters. Yeah, right? like that's all what I can really think fuck? of. But he has one oh, famous Jonathan. thing he did with the CIA whose records were only released in uh, the late 90s. Uh-oh. In uh, the 1980s, he rescued a group of American embassy personnel hiding in the Canadian embassy in Iran by coming up with the movie Argo. <gasps> fuck off! That's what this I was thinking! This is him, yeah. He no. is played by John Chambers, in, or John Chambers, John Goodman in the movie Argo. <laughs> Argo. Huh. Yeah, this is the fucking guy. <laughs> the Planet of the Apes dude is Argo. Yeah. I've never seen the movie. Um, What? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like the, the famous story of they, they snuck out these six Americans because they faked a, a, a film Shoot? shoot basically right okay they, this is familiar to me but they had to come up with framework enough to make it seem like a real movie so yeah. that they could shuttle people in and out of so around. who do you get except the guy who's famous for making a bunch of fucking movies who just happens to work for the cia now and is excellent at making people unrecognizable oh my god that's a movie <laughs> yeah. what are we doing making these other fucking they made it it's argo no i know <laughs> i refuse to like I, anything with uh, Ben Affleck and it just slides off my brain apparently but oh my god yeah that's so stupid I fucking love it yeah I, I absolutely everything wild. the CIA's plans every piece of work they've ever done is just someone with a handful of spaghetti throwing it at the wall and being like let's do that that's stuck it's wild. Get, like, chaos. You go to John Chambers' Wikipedia page, and it's just like makeup organization and like early life, early career, life, war period. And yeah, like, sure. Okay, yeah, sure. And then like CIA based hostage rescue. <laughs> like, what? Uh, the uh, hell? what? <laughs> and then awards. No, no, go yeah, back, go, go back, go back. <laughs> huh? Huh? Uh, <laughs> okay, this makes a lot of a uh, lot more sense. Earlier in the week, you were scrolling and doing like doing your research, and then you just went what? <laughs> Okay. Yeah. That's a reason Chambers. why I know I was looking at John Chambers' name doing all this and I was like, very familiar name, but <laughs> I suppose he's just... where I would know it from. He's famous for makeup stuff. I guess I've just seen his, his work. Mm, In a way. I have seen his work, yes. <laughs> I'm very aware of it. That is so funny. Oh, <sighs> the CIA is a clown show, but sometimes it just, it does give sometimes, us gems like this. <laughs> yeah, like that's fucking wild. Oh I, my God. It's same thing as the, the disguise kits. I assume he's going over there, putting people together as apes. And, yes. Yeah. Because Argo, the fictional movie of Argo that they uh, were, right. that was the name they of the movie, John Chambers. To... Yeah. Okay, sure, sure. It was like a science fiction movie. So that's how they justified oh. getting tons of sets and props, like yeah, to have yeah. big like carrying cargo stuff going on sure yeah <laughs> that's so dumb i love it so funny so wait is argo the fictional movie that the movie argo, argo. is based on <laughs> oh, just to God. be clear this isn't john chambers the makeup artist <laughs> this is the fictional movie that the no. life of john chambers was <laughs> no. so sorry. I can't do it. no one understands what they're saying <laughs> over there. oh boy yeah. I love knowing that. That's wonderful. Yeah. Thank you for that. It's just like handy to have in my brain that I'll just like smile about it. <laughs> yeah. mm, <so> uh. Uh. <laughs> okay. 
Uh, yeah, the only other stuff I wanted to mention is I just, I love the soundtrack. I could go on about it. Oh, it's great. Forever. This but, is the first, yeah. we recently watched it, and I think it's the first time we've watched it since we got a good sound system. Oh, yeah. They ha- I didn't realize how much of the monkey box they have. Yeah, they That's do. so great. So monkey box is like this. I've, I've seen, you know, I've used it in... When, when playing, like, some contemporary pieces, yeah. contemporary classical. And it's, I guess it's like a rope inside of a box, like, kind of It's, it's a kind of drum. It's, it's Sort of, yeah. yeah. There's, there's like, a, you know. Skin of some a kind. A skin yeah. stretched over a frame, and then you, it's, it, the action of it is like, you know when you've got a drink, like an ice drink, and you move your straw in and out, and it goes, ooh, 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 yeah. ooh. Yeah. It's that noise, and you sound, it sounds like <laughs> an ape noise, and I didn't realize <laughs> It's a little on the nose. Yeah, it's a little quite on the, on the nose. nose. But it previously wasn't really used for anything in uh, film. So this is okay. a like, this is these are things that have been like used on and off, but never sure. this much of all of it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I don't know. It, like it's colloquially called the monkey machine. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the actual name of it is. Uh, I'm assuming <laughs> is these are the it? same. Uh, no, it's called the laughing gourd, but it oh. re- originated in Brazil. It's the Brazilian cuica, c u i c a, cuica. Okay. Yeah. I don't know why I looked as if I would be able to help. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's the monkey machine. But uh, so this is a famous score for being like an atonal but not serialized score. Sure. I'm not going to get into serialism, so just ignore <laughs> Basically it. like chaos with a plan. Yeah. There is a main theme. It's right. a 12-tone row, row, which is what serialism uses. Yeah. For those that know what that means. If you don't, don't worry about it. It's just like, it's a very like intellectual way of looking yeah. at, at how to compose, which is just like, okay, you have these parts. How can you assemble them in it? You know. The idea is you will use all 12 named notes before repeating one other note. Yeah. So it, the idea being you don't know what music key you're in because you can't so it is it's all based around a tonal center so it's not like fully serialized but it's it's we can't get too crazy but i wanted to talk about the the instruments that he used it's great oh please uh so there's that monkey machine he used uh this isn't that odd but tape delay for the pizzicato like when they're walking through the desert that's he recorded everybody going blamp and then did it made a tape delayed version of the reverb nice so it's not being played at the same time so it adds to the spookiness of it because yeah. it's you know that it cannot be a real thing like your brain is telling you yes yeah. there's no physical way for the sound to be produced naturally yeah. you've got prepared okay. pianos in there which aren't used very often Plus. a prepared piano is, is uh when you take a piano yeah do you prepare it thanks next Nick. topic <laughs> uh no is when you take the lid off the piano and you do things like you start jamming stuff under the strings yeah. or the machinery it... of the piano you know yeah. fuck with that but it's right, like in keeping with all this, where it's like we're trying to make it less recognizable, yes, but yeah. still not unrecognizable. You so. know what it should sound like, but it doesn't quite. Yeah. You got an anvil in there, which is just a percussion instrument. You wag it on an anvil. You got slit drum, which is used to hit specific tones. It's just literally like a log with holes in it. Oh. And you hit it, and it makes a certain, depending where you hit it, it'll make different tones, which is pretty cool. Neat. You got electric harps. You got electric bass clarinets to do oh, like funky. funky effects and stuff. Okay. One thing I don't know what it is, water drop bars. I had never heard of and I couldn't find an explanation of them. Is it just like like water percussion where you yeah, bang the gong and then lower it slowly into the water? That's probably what it is. Is that yes. what it is? Because yes. I feel like some of those noises happen in the... Yeah, and what, that's that you have the gong sound effect, but that you can bend the pitch yeah. of the gong. What huh. else do we got in here? We got Tibetan horn, which is... Uh, if you picture like the Ricola horn, yeah. but instead of it being curved at the end, it's straight. Okay. Uh, and it's just one tone... The sound of it is described as elephants singing. You've got steel kitchen mixing bowls in there. He's just 
hitting bulls. <laughs> Jerry Goldsmith invented the bass slide whistle. Oh, fuck. That's awesome. <laughs> Boom. Yeah. <laughs> so you're telling me he's literally using the kitchen sink at this yep, point. Yeah, he really okay. is. Some of my favorites here then that I've got, I've left to the end of the list. You've got boobams. Do you know what boobams are? No. They're hollow bamboo stems that okay. are tuned to sound like different conga drums. But the idea is you have so many that you can play like different notes and you can like play harmonies and stuff on it. Okay. Picture like a really small organ. Okay. Uh, and you know how organs will have like several keyboards layered on top right. of each other? Take that, replace all of the keys with hollow bamboo. Okay. And then you just hit those with other bamboo. Okay. And that's a boobam. <laughs> Seems like a failure of imagination in the name, but all right. (laughs) And my personal favorite, because it's big and loud during my favorite music cue, is the shofar, (laughs) that ram's horn. It's it's really distinctive. I think if you had to pull, like if you weren't particularly knowledgeable on the soundtrack and had to pull one thing, I bet it'd be that. Yeah. And like it comes at such a great pivotal time in the plot. Yes. The first apes that we see, there's like a rack zoom on an ape face yeah. to the... Yeah. Which is great. It's just the sound of instinctual terror. Yeah. Like it's... Yeah. It's great. We talked in length about the shofar in our West Side Story episode. So we go did. back and give that one a listen. Yeah. And finally, uh, it is reported that Jerry Goldsmith often wore an ape mask while conducting this because just to get in character. How could you not? Yeah, you got it. <laughs> Everyone else gets one. <laughs> <laughs> is it is it true that the I guess going back to the makeup for a little bit, but yeah. like the farther away extras would just literally get like dollar store gorilla masks? Not for this one. Oh, okay. For the for the sequels, they did that because cutting costs, and every yeah. successive sequel had a sm- every successful sequel had a smaller budget. Right. Um, but in this one, they were like, if you were on screen, you had prosthetics on. Oh, shit. Oh, my God. they wound up having like an assembly line kind of thing for the extras. Oh, I bet, would be yeah. Like, you I'm a up, cheek person today. Yeah, yeah. John puts your face on. Okay, next person, you do the, the blending. And yeah. the next person, you do the eyebrows. And next person, you do the hair. The hair and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Some of there's best. a lot of fucking apes on screen yeah, and sometimes like okay uh the best behind the scenes photography of just like <laughs> dr zayas smoking a cigar yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, and under a little parasol eating an apple or whatever yep it did have to be straws right you'd have yep. to liquefy all your food they did oh yep. cripes okay and another like famous trivia thing that was allegedly true it sounds too funny to me to be real <laughs> is that during lunch time yeah all the apes would self segregate like all the orangutans go oh. through orangutans Oh. All the gorillas go with the gorillas. All the chimps go with the chimps. Oh, no. <laughs> Just like, that's weird. That's, mm, I don't care for what that says about us. No, but it is, it's one of those things of like, if you look at how things were filmed, those oh. are the groups that are on camera together. Sure, sure, sure. So like, schedule You know each other. And, and, and literally, yeah. 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 <laughs> it's dumb. Uh, um, <laughs> I don't, I love that you're like, this sounds too funny. Like, you just told me about the man who invented Vulcan ears working for the CIA. Don't, nothing is too stupid for this movie. <laughs> other than, like, it's funny going through the history of this movie. Other than that, it is just like, this is so far before really big behind the scenes stuff starts happening, mm. really big franchise stuff starts happening. Yeah. They just like, what you see is what you get. It is so. We just made a movie about apes. Yeah. Like, all of the pre-production stuff was so hard because they had to convince so many people to do it. Sure. And then when you get into the sequels... Long uphill battle. The sequels are some of the weirdest takes on Mm -hmm. where this franchise could go. Like, if you are (laughs) seeing The Planet of the Apes, the original one for the first time, do yourself a service. 
sometimes they're boring, sometimes they're shoddily made. The other movies are so fucking out there. They're, you just, you simply must see them to believe them. I don't yeah. know what, it almost feels like The Bedrock is the first one, and then each sequel only ties back to the first one, with the exception kind of, of the yeah. third one, kind of, but like... You could go yeah, to the actually. second one from the third one. You could go to the third one from the first one, the fourth. Like, it, they don't really have anything in common with each other. Yeah. It does feel like a more a what-if type of series. <laughs> like, Beneath the Planet of the Apes is the next one. And yeah. it is, to me, it is the most bizarre blockbuster movie I have ever seen in my life. It is incredible that that movie exists. It's It, it makes no sense for half of it. And then the back half is some of the most grotesque... <laughs> violently upsetting yeah, imagery imagery oh my God. like i i can't i don't even i don't think the same people wrote the first and the second halves <laughs> it's it's wild. the same guy he did I, it, it, it's so funny because the second one is they were told make a sequel and right. he was like no <laughs> literally how? i won't <laughs> and they were the only thing that has to happen is charlton heston has to come back and he didn't want to make one so he was yeah. like let me blow up the earth and they're like, okay. Do you think care. he was like, they're not going to say yes? Oh shit, they said yes. I he was. This. He said it was the only way. No, no, no. This is wrong. He said the only way he would do it is if he could basically just have a cameo part. Sure. And then when he's on set and they're trying to figure out a way to finish it, and he never wants to make another one of these movies yeah. again. He was just <laughs> abused for the entire oh, first I mean, one. I'm, yeah. That he's just like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm blowing up the earth. <laughs> so like, would that we could all solve our problems that way? That was his idea, and he's like. <laughs> Nobody wanted to make the second one, so this is just like Except we're done. Great, like Roddy uh, McDowell, who loves being in these movies, he's not in the second not, one. Yeah. And then they get to the third one, and it's the same screenwriter from the second one, and he's like, "What the <laughs> hell do you mean, write a sequel? What are you trying to do to me? I literally killed every known <laughs> species. I blew up the planet." <laughs> It's so funny. Do the words nuclear holocaust mean anything to you people? It is. Oh, man. I want to go back and watch them so bad. They, But they're like, they're not so like, weird. that second one is the most bizarre film to exist. Mm -hmm. The third one is just, okay, let's just fuck around. The fourth oh, one is, I am mad at you for making this, yeah. making me make this movie and it's going to show. Yes, very much so. The fifth one just sucks. <laughs> It's got some stuff to recommend it, though. It's got this, like, weird... It's like everything except the message was not good. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, Ricardo Montalban runs a zoo in, the like, one of those the traveling circuses. Ones, yeah. yeah. It's great. And it's, it's about... Like, it's very textually about civil rights. Yeah. <laughs> but in the weirdest, most boring ways. Like, it's, it's just such a funny mix of people who really wanted to keep making these movies and like experimenting with this yeah. stuff and people who were like how much money can we wring out of it the fourth one does feel like i dare you to ask me to make another one of these like they get <laughs> Which away you with, think would have been the second one they get away with so much shit in that like it is yeah you look at it today and it is boggling how a studio didn't set it like step in to shut it all down be like but absolutely not they were making so much money that they didn't care <laughs> The fifth one, of course, has Paul Williams of Phantom of the Paradise and yep. the Muppets soundtrack fame as an ape. It's so out there. <laughs> it goes in some directions. It's a fun franchise to live it with. It is a fun... I, I would... There's two things I'll say about it. It's one of the only times I'll unironically say, it's far out, man. And <laughs> you'll go ape. Like, you'll have no choice. You'll be forced to go ape. I take no pleasure in reporting this. <laughs> I'm sorry to say. You have no choice in this matter. <laughs> 
Uh, Name your next of kin now, because... And I hope it's an ape, for God's sake. <laughs> for God's sake. Well, it will be one way or another. <laughs> yeah, I, we were watching these all the way through for like, let's watch this franchise, let's yeah. see. And by the end of the second one, you're throwing your arms up and screaming at the television. Like, where are you supposed to go from there? We can, we can report this fact. It's because I, in an April during uh, yes. big lockdown times, I said, we're doing April. And we're watching mm-hmm. ev- every movie we watch in April has to have some has kind have of connection to an ape. Simeon in nature. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That was a fun time. <laughs> That's a good April. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I recommend an April to you and yours. Yes. Uh, Mary, Mary April. April. <laughs> This is really hard to communicate in a, a like a vocal way. God bless you us, get everyone, the <laughs> and so on. God bless us, every ape. Uh, so anyway, what are your final thoughts? <laughs> it's fucking weird, man. It's a weird movie. Yep. No, I just like I, it's such a funny like it's clearly a B movie in mm. spirit, in like trappings and everything. Yes. Yeah. But the actual execution of it is this like heartily disillusioned man like it's it's clearly now that you've said it it's so clearly written by someone who went through the mccarthy hearings yeah you know which like huh (laughs) how do you put those two together it's it's a wild movie to exist (laughs) how about you wonderful well i just this should come as no surprise to longtime listeners i just love a unapologetically pessimistically truly bleak movie yes you do like you're the cornelius here i am it can be too much but this comes from such a space of i'm just gonna like sit you down and snag on humanity in general yeah is what's going on and i love it yeah Uh, just rubs humanity's nose in what it's done but like it becomes palatable by trapping it in this genre like the b-movie stuff like yeah in the it's a little removed from you so it's not like okay fucking lay off like i'm gonna walk into the sea if you keep this up like it's not it's not coming from that place it is the classic sci-fi thing of like make it palatable by presenting it to you as someone else just the most beautiful version of that awful little nugget of of (laughs) hatred yeah uh, yeah. what's the opposite of hope yeah it's just misanthropy at large in in genre which is yeah big fan Somehow still so silly. God, I'm such a curmudgeon. It's great. Uh, so let's, yeah, let's talk about what we're billing with this bad boy. What we're double billing with Planet of the Apes. Yes. The OG. Would you care to go first? Sure, I'll go first. Um, I regret to inform you that I picked mm. another intensely negative movie to Hooray! go with it. <laughs> In that same way where it's it's not even a, like, a brutal... <laughs> Movie, it's just a sad and deflating movie. See, in now some I want ways. to guess something. Are you trying to? Are you using Planet of the Apes to springboard into your your pairing? Is going to be an artier thing? I big am. Time? Yeah, yes. Okay. Yeah, because I I think the way that I like to take Planet of the Apes is as a B movie with yeah. this like surprisingly astute little nugget in it of like <laughs> the be- the apes are us. They're <laughs> people. Um. So I'm going to pair this with another movie about, from the 60s, from this exact same like time period, Very good. about a man who tries to sort of remove himself from the world he doesn't like, he sees things going poorly, he's not, you know, his life isn't living up to what he hoped for, mm. and... It sort of works. He gets, you know, it's a very, pardon the phrase, monkey's paw situation where he gets what he wanted and it turns out that the impulse to get away from it was the problem. Mm. You can never satisfy that impulse to get away from the thing because the instinct to run away from the problem is what creates 
more pro- is what allows yeah. the problems to, to like if everyone continue. runs away from the problems they're never going to get dealt yeah. with right um it's what like creates those conditions in the first place so i'm going to build this with john frankenheimer's seconds oh man yeah okay <laughs> a negative ass movie so negative god <laughs> i you, love them both oh they're so, yeah I knew, I knew you'd enjoy this but it's for those who haven't seen it's about a guy who you know kind of dissatisfied with his life and he discovers this institution or organization that will give you another life they'll make you into a different person like mm. they they plastic surgery you they insert you into the life of someone else who you know we find out later basically if that person wants to get away like it's a very self-propagating thing yeah. like if someone wants to get away they'll turn them into someone new and then you can replace that person's life yeah. and it turns out that the problem was him he yeah. didn't have the new slash yeah <laughs> as always <laughs> Just because he gets handed a new situation doesn't mean that he's any more prepared to deal with it. And in <laughs> fact, the like, you know, oh, I'm going to go where it's better is he ends up somewhere worse. And you realize I should have just stuck with the original yeah. thing and tried to make it work. So. And this effort to escape is just caused so much more damage. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And it he is... thinks, oh, I can I'll go again. I'll 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 seconds myself again. <laughs> And they're like, no, guess what? You're now the fodder for, like, you're, we're going to kill you and use your body. Big spoilers to, for seconds. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, big spoilers. Um, to fake someone else's death who's going to move on and get yep. an even better life. So, Which, so called. hearing you say it out loud, now I get the title. Seconds. Yeah, it's, he's a second. He's a second. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so uh, just a movie about, like, a again, this just misanthropic like i'm not the problem everyone else is the problem yeah. and then it turns out i'm part of of everybody else hmm. Second, I'm, I'm one of humanity i'm one of us <laughs> what if god were one of yeah, us i was also trying to stop myself <laughs> i can see you trying not to i'm here for you thank you so much yes uh so i'm gonna call it uh Oh, see, I, I really feel like there's a... Rock Hudson is the star of seconds. I feel yeah. like there's a joke somewhere in there about, like... Between a, a rock planet. and a hard place? Yeah, yeah, between a rock and a hard ape. There you go. <laughs> Ooh, hard <laughs> ape. <laughs> That's the X-rated version. Ooh. Ooh. No, thank you. Okay. Yep. There's enough ass in the movie as it is already. Uh, so that's mine. Wonderful. Well, yep, you definitely went the art house side of things. That's a, a real classic black and white Mm-hmm. One of those. Uh, for my part, I feel like I kind of fucked up in our mission statement this week, <laughs> where these are pretty much on the same level. Oh, okay. I, I don't have one that's... The mission okay. statement also is just to, like, expand yep. your boundaries as well. But I really I really wanted to find something. But I feel like these are the same playing field for the same reason that we talk about Planet of the Apes is kind of having B-movie trappings. Just for argument's sake, I'm going to say this is the... Uh, my recommendation here is the artier one. Okay. But uh, I'm also going with something that's real bleak because how could you not? Um, I'm going to pair this with High Noon from 1952, uh, oh. directed by Fred Zinnemann because of its nice. ties to all the like McCarthyism stuff and all Very that. Very much so. But it's mostly because like the the parallel here of taking an all-American leading man actor, yeah, with Gary Cooper in High Noon. Uh, using a genre film to just stare straight down the barrel of camera to say, like, real nice society you got here. Shame if someone was to point out it's systemic failings that you're ignoring <laughs> that you'd never want to reckon with. Um, mm-hmm. That, like, Planet of the Apes changed franchise filmmaking forever and, uh, like, sci-fi filmmaking because it showed this, like, bleak version. Definitely. Of, and the same way that High Noon, like, 
made the Western genre come back, kind of, because John Wayne... In a mean way, yeah. yeah. In a mean way, but also (laughs) in the counter to that, where John Wayne hated High Noon so much, he started making Westerns again. (laughs) That's right, yeah. He, he like, he and Ford did the last couple of, like, really well-received ones. Like, he described it as the most un-American movie he'd ever seen, which means it's the most American and accurate movie you've ever seen. Yep. (laughs) Sorry Um, to say... Whenever you hear John Wayne talk, just think opposite. Um, <laughs> yeah, but like John Ford, yeah, Howard Hawks coming in to be like, Westerns are about American beauty, not being sad. <laughs> the spirit of the, yeah. Well, and, you know, Planet of the Apes is entering this this sort of genre where it is mostly like, yeah, we can, we can do interplanetary togetherness or whatever and like there can be a Russian guy and a French guy or whatever but it's the American who's always the captain or the decider or the whatever and suddenly like that guy's an asshole (laughs) big time Mm -hmm. yeah so uh nice yeah I don't have a name for it I'm realizing but uh sometimes you don't need a name planet of the genres I don't know Time of the Apes? <laughs> no. <laughs> That's a different movie. That's, That's very different. bad. Uh, and also go watch Time of the Apes. It sucks. It's very funny. <laughs> and it's funny. <laughs> Japanese Planet of the Apes. Yep. Not good. <laughs> yeah. So that's, uh, that's our talk on Planet of the Apes. I do like how... For how incredibly bleak of a movie this is, I feel like we had a good time this episode. <laughs> it's still very fun and cool, yeah. is my take on it. You can take it, it's it's one of these perfect movies, right, where you can take it purely as pulp. You can take like, it as the apes ape are beating the man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Plastered on ape face value. <laughs> or you can lean into the very of the time, mm-hmm. like... Political state. Like, there's, it goes on... Like, yeah. the thing that I like about the franchise is that it goes on to just double down on all this stuff. Totally. Yeah. Whereas the producers putting out Planet of the Apes in all of their marketing, they're like, oh, it's not a political movie. There's nothing political <laughs> in here. If you're reading mm. anything into it, that's your own bias. I'm sure. I, Wink. But, like, the second Planet of the Apes movie has the military breaking up a uh, war protest. Like, yep. it's literally shot like a student protest for Vietnam. Like, it, it, it's... The fourth one also oh, had... Yeah. A bleaker ending that they shot that it was the only time execs put their foot down because I, to paraphrase, it was Roddy McDowell staring straight down camera saying, the only way out of oppressive systems is to murder those oppressing Yeah. Full stop. Like, that's what happens. And they're like, I don't don't know, Roddy. Roddy McDowell is so fucking funny mm, as, great. like, almost comic relief. Yeah. There's almost, like, in every sci-fi movie, there's, like, a silly guy. Roddy McDowell is the perfect silly guy in this. He's Snuffling his nose at everything. <laughs> and he does this, like, he's looking, you know, listening to Taylor's story and, like, so you came from the sky. <laughs> uh-huh. He's <laughs> got a great, just a guy who doesn't want to be there. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of... It's a lot of fun. We have a lot of fun. We do have a lot of fun. And we got to wrap this up before I do a full episode on Beneath the Apes and Fertilis. <laughs> yeah, that's very time. Yeah. Uh, please find us at Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Rate and review us on your podcast platform of choice. And I, uh, yeah, hope that you'll come and join us next time for another pile of garbage. Thanks, He keeps trying to form words. You know what they say, human see, human do.